Hey folks, welcome back. Today's Zooming In from Toronto, Ontario. We've got a real estate entrepreneur who is kind of switching gears, going from single family homes and going from short-term rentals and getting into the multifamily space. Our guest is Mr. Brian Gordon. Brian, how are you doing today? Welcome. I'm doing excellent, Dave. Thank you for having me on. But and uh, I'm, I'm just jealous as heck of your voice, my friend, because you've got that perfect... <laughs> radio host podcaster voice and i gotta make do with this one i appreciate that i appreciate that i'll All make right, you look Brian. good not to worry oh there you go thank <laughs> you sir so hey tell me how did you get started in real estate when when abouts did that happen and what was the spark sure so i think from a child my parents have always said real estate was important and real estate is just something that you should own. And they weren't real estate investors themselves, but they always owned their own principal residence. Mm -hmm. And they knew that real estate could be used as a, as a tool mm -hmm. to build wealth. And, and that's just something that always stuck with me and, and my brothers. And I picked up my first investment property probably about 12 years ago, just a beat up condo. Mm -hmm. And But I would say I really became an investor probably about six years ago. And what I mean by that and why I make that distinction is because that's when I really started educating myself, um, surrounding myself around like-minded people, joining mm -hmm. real estate meetup groups and so on, and really kind of putting a strategy together and, and, and a system in place. Very cool. So as we're recording this, we're mid-2023. So that would have been about 2017 that you got serious about it? Exactly. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. To be okay. Exact. And... What did you decide to focus on initially and why? So I decided to focus on duplex conversion. So buying a detached property, adding a legal secondary suite in the basement and, you know, just rinse and repeat. And the reason I started on that path was because I think it was a bit of a mindset or, or lack of thereof. I knew a lot of people that were doing it. I felt comfortable because I've owned my own residence before and it seemed like a straightforward uh, transition for me mm -hmm. um, from just owning a home to moving into a rental property that didn't seem overwhelming, I guess. And and was that how it turned out? It's your, the way you're saying it, it's almost like you, you got into something you didn't realize what you're getting into or, or did it turn out that way? So it turned out extremely well. However, yeah. my first my first uh, duplex conversion was a disaster, but that's, <laughs> but that's because a lot of the mistakes that I did as a rookie yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, not hiring the right contractors and not having the right team in place. But again, it's probably the property that I learned the most on. So, so well, hey, there, that brings up a good point, Brian, because a lot of people give it a shot like that, have a disastrous first experience, throw up their hands and give up and never go back. What kept you going? So was it, was it a complete disaster? Or was it still a profitable disaster? It was, it turned out to be a very profitable disaster, but, <laughs> okay. but why, I know you, it's a great question because, and I had this conversation with myself, but I truly believed in real estate. Uh -huh. I also surrounded myself around like-minded people. So I know dozens of people that were doing duplex conversions mm -hmm. in my market, in my neighborhood. And that was, so, so you knew it. it was possible. You saw other people. Did you kind of think, Hey, well, if, if that guy or that gal can do it, I can figure it out too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I knew, I knew the problem was me and not the real estate. Right. So I just knew I needed to get over that hump and it would eventually, things would eventually work out. All right. So you were doing this in a, a upperly mobile market. Toronto over the last number of years has been nothing but go, go, go. At the time we're recording this a little bit less go, go, go. 
a little bit more difficult to get into. But so between the first deal and the second deal, was there a radical change in how you did things? Or did you just kind of gradually change that? Or did, did you make some shake things up big time? Yeah, I did shake things up big time because yeah. the biggest mistake I made from the first property is I hired a contractor that I knew and that I was somewhat friends with. I went to high school, but he never did a duplex conversion before legally. He finished a couple of uh, basement apartments, but he didn't know the legalities, the bylaws, et cetera. Uh, so whereas this time around, I hired a contractor that was well known in the, in the area and has done a, dozens of duplex conversions. And so that made a huge difference for me. That would make yeah, that would make a night and day difference. That's for sure. Wonderful. So, how many of these cookie cutter kind of duplex conversions did you end up doing over the years, Brian? Yeah. So I did about probably about four or five. Um, yeah. I probably, so the way I typically do it is I buy one, I would du duplex it, refinance it, rent it. Usually about a six seven month process. Take a month or two off, and then rinse and repeat. And I think I did that probably for about four or five years. Um, nice. Then I added yeah. some short. Were, were you now? Were you living in these properties, or were you just using them as as rental properties? Yeah, I was just using them strictly as rental properties. So I live in Toronto, but my duplexes are in the Durham region, so Pickering and Oshawa. So which about, for people that aren't from around there, how far away is that? Yeah, so from for Pickering from Toronto is probably about a ten minute drive, depending on where in Toronto you are, and then Oshawa is probably about a half an hour. So basically, East. suburb suburbs of Toronto. Exactly, you got it. Got it. it. Got it. Okay. So you did that for a number of years and uh, had success with it. Do you still own those properties? Are they still in your portfolio? Yeah, every single one of those properties nice. in my portfolio, they've done extremely well. I mean, the market has been good to all us investors for the most part. And uh, yeah, I still hold them in my portfolio. All right. Now, I believe in the information that you said ahead of the, the call, you're also checking out short-term rentals. You've got some experience with that. What what got you into that? Um, and, and then what got you into multifamily and how's that going so far? The transition to short-term rentals was because I was looking for cash flow, more cash flow. So the duplex conversions are fantastic. They appreciate it extremely well, but for cash flow, they're not. Once you account and you do, you run your performer properly, vacancy, property management, et cetera, you're left with maybe two, 300 bucks. Whereas short-term rentals, you know, you could easily cash flow after all expenses and property management, thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month, depending on the market, et cetera. So I started exploring that. Um, me and a group of investors, we bought a property out in Blue Mountain. So for those that aren't familiar with Blue Mountain, it's about two hours north of uh, Toronto. Mm. Um, and it's somewhat cottage country, but it's a lot more developed. They have a lot of amenities and so on, but very popular for folks in the Toronto and the greater Toronto area. So we started exploring uh, short-term rentals, did a couple of those, and they, they were successful as well. Mm -hmm. um, do you still do you still own those properties? Yeah, still own those properties, and but like everything else, prices increased, and they weren't profitable anymore. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. that that is that is the story of a lot of investors' lives, especially around Ontario, British Columbia, the more expensive provinces. Uh, so, talk to me a little bit about your journey working with other people's money and joint venture partners. It sounds like you did your first number of duplex conversions kind of under your own financial steam. At, at what point did you start bringing on partners? That's right. So my first three properties I did on my own, um, my wife and I. Mm -hmm. And then like most investors, we ran out of money pretty quickly. We went to purchase another property that we wanted to, to duplex and we were going to do it on our own. But 
our numbers were going to be tight in terms of leaving us with very little capital left. And I wasn't comfortable with that. Yeah. So I thought I'd bring investors. And I brought in uh, my first JV partner or investor what was my brother and actually nice. my cousin. And so I brought them in. Oh, two of them. Two of them. Two of them. First deal. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, obviously they love me, they trust me. And so it was, it was a easy process. And um, plus they'd seen what you've been doing already under your own, un, under your own steam. I'm sure you were, I've been talking about that at family get togethers and reunions and whatnot. Exactly. Exactly. Always important. And one of the great things about real estate and raising capital is that everyone wants to talk about real estate, right? Dinner parties, um, you know, barbecues, especially in Toronto the last few years. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, we had a chat, we met up for a coffee at Starbucks and, you know, we were off to the races okay. and we had a great partnership and we still own that property together as well. All right. Very good. Yeah. And then you mentioned that you're working with a group of people for doing these short-term rentals. Um, how does how does that kind of look? So the way we did that is we have a couple of investors on that property. And so it's, it's unique in that I've every one of my deals, I'm always the active partner, mm -hmm. right? So I'll raise the capital and then I'll do all the work by the property, manage renovations, et cetera. Whereas this with the other partners were all reasonably active. Um, so there isn't any lead. So we had we had our growing pains for sure um for the first year or so yeah um, but who's doing what how to stay any out of each other's lanes that kind exactly of exactly so it it uh it took some time exactly for all those things that you mentioned but um you know we finally worked out the kinks in about a year or so and uh you know we all understand our personalities you know what each of our swim lanes are strengths and weaknesses and yeah so it, it worked out really really well nice so how many of those short-term rentals do you have as part of this group we have two, well, one with the group, and then I want another one just myself and my wife. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Very, very yeah. cool. All right. And it sounds like you're starting to tiptoe or move into the multifamily space. Have you got some of those under your belt now, or are you still kind of in the research phase and, and figuring out details and markets and that kind of thing? So we're in the process right now of closing on our first multifamily in 11 unit. Congratulations. Um, thank you. That's thank exciting. you. It's, uh, it's been a, what, two and a half months of due diligence and a lot of back and forth and, you know, some growing pains as well, but it's, uh, it's been a really great learning experience. So it's an where's, 11. Where's this property located? Is it's it located in Brantford, Ontario. So again, okay. those that aren't familiar with Brantford, it's about, depending on where you are in Toronto, it's about say an hour north of Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, I think a population of about 110,000. Yeah. So great community, great city. A lot of opportunity um, and unlike residential you know most multifamilies are traded off market uh, which is how we got this property yeah so so maybe a lot of people are thinking about getting into multifamily i i hear a lot of people in ontario kind of throwing up their their hands in dismay saying there's no opportunities in ontario you've just proven them wrong you found one so how, how did this one come across your desk so this one came across my desk through a friend of mine who's also goes to the same real estate meetup group that uh that I go to and he actually had posted it on on Instagram saying that he was looking for you know another partner and I reached out to him and I asked him I said are you looking for you know an active partner to work with are you looking to raise capital like what are you looking for and he said he's looking for another active partner so you know I called I called him we had a couple of chats and uh yeah two and a half months later we just passed um we got our inspection report and uh, yeah, we're actually going to go firm tomorrow. 
Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So how did you guys, how many active partners are there on the deal? Just the two of you? Just the two of us. Just yeah. the two of us. So, so and we, how did you determine who was going to, or who's doing what, or who's going to be doing what in the process? So how, how did you figure out the lanes? Yeah. So that was tricky. That was very tricky because we're both active. We've yeah. been in, in the market for around the same period of time. You know, we run in the same circle. So I actually reached out to a friend of ours and consulted with him who uh, he owns about you know 20 or so apartment buildings in the GTA, greater Toronto area. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, what do you typically do when you work with active partners? And most of his properties are, you know, he is the active partner, but he does have a few buildings where he actively joins with, uh, with a couple of individuals. So he, he, he told me, you know, what he looks for. He'll put together a term sheet, write out, you know, exactly swim lanes, right? Who's responsible for what, just to make it very clear again. So we're not stepping on each other's toes. So, uh, you know, I took a lot of the information that he told me and just brought it over um, to, to the, my new relationship and to work through those details. So, you know, there's still some growing pains for sure, yeah. but we, we work very well together, which is good. And so far it's been a great experience. So basically what would you, what would you say are the main lanes that you guys are looking at in this kind of a, you know, small multifamily type property. So the main things really are the acquisition. So who's going to take the lead on the due diligence? Mm -hmm. Uh, Who's going to take the lead on the financing? Who's going to take the lead on the construction, right? So it's a two to three year project. The idea is- So it needs some major renovations, does it? Right. Well, we want to, as tenants turn over, we want to renovate, increase rents and move to the next. So that'll be at least a two or three year process of seven units uh, and then there's also the management portion so those four or five buckets right we're like who's going to be responsible for those four or five buckets or who's going to take the lead mm, okay, right and, very good. exactly yeah yeah so when it came to raising capital for this deal how did you guys do it well it, it was very different from what i was typically used to you know your single families your duplex you put down 20 percent you know, you're typically able to raise capital, you know, 100 grand, or even just come up with the money yourself. Whereas this building that we purchased was purchased for 2 million. And we were fortunate enough to negotiate with the vendor, uh, vendor take back of ETB at 65% um, for four and a half percent for the first two years, which is awesome. And then we also got through um, our real estate investment uh, community, we are getting a second that takes us to 80%, so another 15%. So we're doing a VTB for the first and then a private second. Um, so for, for folks that aren't familiar with that, that means that the original owner is going to act like the bank for the first mortgage. That's the vendor take back mortgage at uh, 60% of the sale price. You found somebody else with kind of deep pockets in, in your niche and who is coming on with a second mortgage for bringing it up to uh, 80% loan 80%. to value. So then you had to bring in or, or raise 20% of the 2 million. So about $400,000 for this deal. Is that correct? Exactly. And because we only had to raise that amount, plus of course, closing costs and so on. Uh, my partner and I decided that we'll just put the money up ourselves. Okay. And you know, just keep go 50-50 on the deal. All right. So very cool. So you really don't have any other joint venture partners in this particular deal. That's really smart, Brian, because, um, you know, you've got a lot of experience working with the duplex conversions, which are multifamilies. And if you add them all together, you've got a a good number of doors, but it's a different kettle of fish, right? Going from residential to commercial, 
and then Absolutely. managing multiple tenants under one roof. So I like what you and your partner are doing here because you're going to create proof of concept for moving ahead and doing more of these kind of deals. So now you can point to this one, show your future joint venture partners or investors, or if you're going to syndicate or whatever, you can show them that you know your stuff. And, and that's a great point because I always tell investors um, that are starting out, right? One of the first things, so a lot of people always talk about raising capital, raising capital, you know, as if it's easy and, and it can be easy, but typically it's easy when you're seasoned, when you have yeah. proof of concept, when you've been doing it for several years. So I always tell people, if you're starting a new strategy or you're just starting out in real estate, you know, use your own capital, go through your growing pains, learn, make mistakes. And then you can show that, you know what, this is what I did. This is my lessons learned. This is how I changed my systems. And this is what I can do going forward. Yeah. Oh, that's really smart. So I, I get that a lot as well, Brian, people new real estate investors without any track record come in and say, Hey, I need to raise capital for my first deal because I don't have any money. And, and I've always give them a, a variety of different suggestions. The first one being, Hey, if at all possible, come up with your own money, even if it's getting a home equity line of credit on your own property, you know, turn that into your first deal. So you've got skin in the game. You've got that proof of concept. You're going to pay close attention to it. Or, you know, if you really have very little, if you don't have that much money or you're not that competent, join forces with somebody who's already doing what you want to do, be the money partner on their deal or one of the money partners on their deal. But pay to play. So don't just be a passive investor, become an active investor in that deal so that you can learn on the job, so to speak. Or, you know, um, you can, if you got some of the money, kind of like what you and your partner did, join forces with somebody else who's actively doing it and, or somebody who's not actively doing it, but put your money into the deal along with the investor partners. That's going to make them feel a lot more comfortable because you've got skin in the game, even though you don't have a lot of experience. And, exactly. you know, if you've got no money and no experience, but you've got some skill set, then join forces with an active investor and put in the sweat equity, right? So, you know, work for equity, don't work for a paycheck and, and don't expect a big piece of equity. But even if you got 1% of that deal or 5% of that deal, you know, that is proof of concept. You're you're learning on the job and you're taking equity instead of a paycheck. So yeah, you yeah. got to get creative around that. Exactly. And I think one of the key parts that you that you mentioned is the learning, the opportunity to learn so you can yeah. gain that competency, that knowledge, so you can do it. Right. Yeah. So whether you get 20%, 10% or 5%, you're going to take away that skill set and you're going to be able to rep hopefully replicate that and do it over and over and over again. Yeah. So Brian, what have been what what do you foresee being some of the challenges moving ahead with your real estate investing business now that you're kind of switching over to the multifamily space? Yeah, so I mean, they have been there have been challenges since we started, and so you know we're looking at well, the inspection came back and there was um, asbestos, right? Mm, yeah. So it's you know how do you manage that? You know how do you find the right people to bring in? Um, to remove it, you know, how much needs to be removed. So one of the things that we've both done is because this is his largest building and will be my largest building as well, is we've hired on a consulting basis, we individuals that again, own 10, 15 apartment buildings that will consult for us, right? So we both know a couple of individuals like this mm -hmm. and we'll pay four or $500 an hour, right? And a lot of people say that's a lot of money. 
but not, you know, what, not a not for a two million dollar asset. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's to me, it's money well spent. So I continue to see us using or leveraging, you know, those people to help us work through some of those problems um, yeah. as things arise. And you know, again, if you don't have that skill set, then you reach out to people, and that's a great way of leveraging someone without getting a coach. Um, if you don't have that skill set is finding someone that's willing to sit on, sit down, talk to you for an hour, pay them a couple hundred dollars. You, know, you get the invoice it's tax deductible yeah. and you're getting their knowledge. They're 10, 15, well, 20 that's, years that's really smart. So Brian, when you find somebody like that, it sounds like you guys have got a couple of people like that. How does that usually work? Is it like, do, do they charge First of all, are these people even accustomed to doing this kind of consulting? And if so, do they sell kind of a bit of a, a package of X number of hours? Or is it like a one hour minimum? Or can you kind of buy a few hours and talk to them for half an hour here, half an hour there as needed? How does it, how's it been working for you so far? So because we know those individuals personally, like the, it's not something that they really promote because their main yeah. business is buying buildings. You know, they own yeah. hundreds of units. So for them, it's, and I'm putting words into their mouth, but you know, it's charity work for individuals that they know in the community. So they don't promote it, but they'll yep. just, you know, you'll, they'll charge by the hour. We'll call them. We'll set up a zoom call. And, you know, anytime you need support, we'll just set up a call. They'll invoice us and we'll move on. And do right. they charge for by the hour? Do they yes. split it up a little bit? So exactly. even if you're only 15 minutes, it's going to cost you the 400 bucks kind of thing. Well, usually the calls actually, so we had a call today and yeah. it ran it was an hour and 15 minutes and they still yeah. charge for the 15 minutes. Right. Sorry for the hour. Sorry for the hour. Yeah. So, you know, typically. So, so have a bunch of questions lined up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because it's, you're doing a lot of problem solving. Yeah. So, you, you know, you think an hour may be long, but by the time you start going through different problems, you know, finding solutions and thinking through things, you, you know, an hour can go by fast, pretty fast. I think that's a really, really good investment, right? Because think about it, you go to a lawyer you're spending that kind of money on a lawyer for legal advice, which is usually just kind of eh stuff that yeah. you have to do. Now, this is this is something that you're really keen on, and you're you're accessing somebody else's years, if not decades, of experience. It's the ultimate shortcut, right? And it's not them trying to sell you a book or a course or whatever. It's it's the real deal, a hundred percent focused on your situation. So I think that's the best investing you, you can possibly make. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Awesome, Brian. So if people want to connect with you and find out more, what should they do? They can find me on Instagram. It's probably the best way for them to find me at acquiring underscore wisdom. Um, I'm pretty active in the real estate community and in, in the greater Toronto area. So feel free to connect and reach out. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Sounds good. Well, Brian, thanks so much for being on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. All right, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.